Welcome everyone to Invested, a limited series by Behind the Human and KPMG High Growth Ventures. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the minds of early stage investors to surface actionable insights for founders and startups to mentally and financially thrive. As the stress is stacking up, you know, the, your well-being is going to go down and what, and what people don't really think of is the more stress you have, the more you need to be stacking in the tools for recovery. I'm okay with you having the stress if you know how to recover. Today, I'm speaking with Michelle Duval, founder and CEO of the personal coaching tech startup, Fingerprint for Success. Michelle has been coaching entrepreneurs, thought leaders, CEOs, writers, producers, and actors for over 20 years. Michelle, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you, and I can't wait. You've, you just come to the table with such a unique perspective and, and set of insights that... Um, yeah, there, it, there's just going to be so much richness in this. So thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much for the invite, Mark. I'm equally excited to chat with you. Well, let's do this. We'll, we'll, we'll start with um, probably a pretty easy question, but just like what lights you up about working with founders? Oh, my God, I could talk to you for hours. Um, as a, a coach who's just, I've been coaching for nearly 25 years now, um, you want to work with people who want to do the work and you do not find a person who has more need um, or more desire to realize their vision and they want to not just scale a company they really for the most part most of them um, those who go on to do seriously big things um, they want to scale themselves they're hungry they want to learn they they apply their insight they apply their breakthrough immediately so it's so gratifying and they're raw and they're vulnerable the masks are off um, they, for the most part, um, at least in the coaching. Yeah. And I love that. It's alive. Yeah. I mean, I, I resonate with that. I can feel the energy on that one. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't resonate with that, with that vibe. I mean, I'd love to, before we get into, you know, some of your research and, and the topics for this series, I, I'd love to start with a bit of your background because you have a, a pretty unique um, entry point into this world. From my understanding, you know, you you spent time working in uh, five star hotels and managing. And if I get the language wrong here, but managing, I guess you could say the the visits of high profile guests, right? And you noticed that they had a whole entourage of various coaches and whatnot. So, I mean, why don't you provide a little bit of flavor to the to the backstory? Yeah, I, I grew up in a little country town, and I I was like. Really, I loved, I loved, you know, all the people I grew up with, but I just really wanted to get into the city and um, I got in to study, uh, you know, clinical psychology at university. The last minute I deferred and I ended up going to the first ever hotel management school and after going through all of that, I got this role and I, I, I was invited into, at the time, the best hotel in Australia and I ended up in a role at a very, very young age of looking after the largest delegations that came to the hotel and they were, you know, VIPs celebrities and they were the top of the top of their fields from actors, producers, athletes, etc. And they just had this crazy amount of people who helped them. And I got to see them really unplugged. They're often they in their robes <laughs> after yeah. um, you know, coming down from being on stage or performing at tennis or what, whatever it was. Um, and I got to really see that no one who achieves extraordinary things does it alone. Mm. So what what was the next step then in that journey for you? 
Well, I was also working at the hotel with uh, incredible people who were mostly immigrants who'd come to Australia for a better life and they brought their families and I was deeply, deeply moved. They were like doctors and engineers who'd studied enormously in their home country and they had to start over in Australia and here they were um, uh, uh, carrying uh, bags to rooms or plates to, of room service and they had to turn on a dime to look after, you know, Andre Pavarotti, Richard Branson, Andre Agassi, the President of the United States, you know, whoever it was that we were sure. hosting. And and I had to help them to do that. And um, I realised that these folk were very ambitious and I realised that by sitting down and getting to know them and I didn't, I mean, I was so young, I didn't have hierarchy, I didn't have experience. Most of the people I was leading were 20 or 30 years older than me, but I did have was my ability to ask questions and help them to, to, to realise what their personal goals were and to link that personal meaning to this work that they were doing. And um, okay. I, I realised at the end that that was what I loved. That was incredible. And they told me that that was what was so meaningful, so impactful. And so there weren't words way back then to describe what we now call human development coaching, working with executives and leaders and just every person, right? I would say when I decided to become and call it coaching, I'd say, hi, I'm a coach. And people would say, what sports team do you coach? So things have evolved enormously, (laughs) enormously since then. But that was where I realized the power of asking questions that do something different than training, that do something different than advising or someone reading a book. They go inside, they tap into their core, unique talents, their potential, and amazing things happen. Well, and it's it's fascinating to me because I mean, to know where you where you started and where I guess where the where the the bug kind of got you in this in this field, and now you're working with you know, founders and unicorn startups, which is kind of like the celebrity version of, uh, or the high profile VIP version of the, you know, entrepreneurial world, right? Like that's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be quite fascinating. Is it the same kind of feeling that, that you had, you know, when you first started out or how has that evolved for you? Yeah, I ended up sort of building this niche. I built a team of coaches and then I, I wrote some books and developed some models and, I then started training coaches and I just kept going back to this desire to work with what I call our creative artists. So working with anyone who is taking something that didn't exist that actually shapes our world. It shapes the mm. consciousness. It shapes through the arts. You know, I, I, I've, I've coached um, movie producers, script writers, songwriters, um, and I've had, like with the founders, the privilege of working with those who are most successful and also people on that journey. And yeah. for, whether it's founders or whether it's whether it's scientists that I've been working with, being able to help people realise new thinking, new connections, new dots and them evolving brings new things into the world and it's very impactful and it's very deeply, deeply rewarding and when you're working with founders, they have usually are growing into bigger teams. And so how that founder shapes their leadership, how that founder manages their well-being, how they develop their philosophies about what work means or what about product development means, whatever it is, helping them to narrate that, helping and challenging that and, and debating that and, and helping them to do that um, is really important work. And um, it's impactful and and everyone needs to be challenged in that way. Everyone needs to have that richness drawn out and then supported in a safe space 
where there yeah. aren't the rules, where there isn't the doctrine of known existing thinking and a space of freedom. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, even on this series, just the, you know, the need to have that, that safe place to have those conversations. And I, I guess to your point, just ask the questions, right? I mean, from being a founder myself, like you, you go so fast and it's so easy to slip into autopilot in life, but also in business, especially if you're raising and you're round after round, like even just taking them, yeah, the, just the moment to, to, to have someone else there to pause your mind and get you to think and yeah. reflect. It's, it's so valuable. What would you say yeah. if you had just a kind of level set right now, given everything that's going on and with the market and so forth, like what would be the one word that intuitively comes to mind to describe the environment that founders are currently in? Um, fear. Um, mm. So depending on what stage of the journey they're at and where they're up to with their product market fit, their capital strategy, the relationship with their investors, um, the type of market that they're in and their product and, and how it's been impacted, you know, long before the market volatility, um, you know, the, 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 what they've been through with the pandemic, which, you know, had market volatility as well. So, yeah. um, and then, and then you've got the founder archetype who is, is in the state of opportunity. Okay. What does this opportunity mean? And they still probably have that fear, but they channel it in a, in a very different way. Um, okay. the, the biggest thing that, the biggest thing that we're seeing across the world with the founders that we work with, that, um, with, with our technology and, and just partner with is, um, is, the sense that anything any, anything can happen at this point and that sense of uncertainty. And with that uncertainty, it can bring anxiety. Um, mm. And depending upon how you know how to manage your anxiety will determine the quality of your decision-making and the quality of, of your dis- the d- quality of your discernment. And if you don't already have really good practices in place for being able to uh, manage your well-being, the crunchiness, and I call crunchy as the stress mm-hmm. of these circumstances, those combinations can be exceptionally hard. Yeah. Well, it's just so hard to, it's hard to think clearly when your mind is full, right? And especially when it's full of fear and, and, and looping thoughts and so forth. It's just, I mean, we're humans. It's, it's really hard to do your best level of work in, 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 in a survival state, right? And I mean, this is the, this is the work that I do in mental fitness, so I, I see it often as well. Um, so I'd love, like, we're going to definitely get into. Uh, I have a, a bunch of questions to ask uh, around just practices that you see are working and so forth. But one thing I, w- I want to just to set the stage again is is to dive into some of the research that you have or you've conducted around around this link of, I guess we can call it mindset or emotional well being and venture or startup success. That's essentially what yeah. we're trying to get at with this with this podcast series. It's just uh, like I think intuitively we know that because it seems to make sense that if if minds aren't working well, then that has to bleed into the success of the company. But can we show that with with research yeah. and show that you know in in a real tangible way and and hopefully drive a little bit more attention to okay, well, what can we do? Because we know there's mental health challenges that thankfully has been is being more and more discussed, but I think what's missing still is the, well, what do we do? 
right? Like what, like what realistically can we do right now? And, and, and there's, as you know, they're so personalized, right? We're all different yeah. and we need different, you know, rituals and routines and whatnot. So yeah, Michelle, if you wouldn't mind sharing just, you know, briefly some of the, the findings of your research, that would be super helpful. Yeah, so we, I had this hypothesis from working with um, very, very successful founders. So founders who are going on to have multi-billion dollar exits, multi, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of exits. And then people who, majority of people struggling to raise capital, uh, not being able to get through the various gates. And so we had all this qualitative data mark that um, led, when you looked at it all, they'd come from interviews that we'd done with all the founders just through the coaching that we'd done. And this hypothesis was that there was a strong correlation between different types of what we call motivations and mindsets uh, with those who go on to achieve those results versus those who fail. And we also had a hypothesis that was a different mindset required between starting up phase and the scaling up phase and that there was a different mindset from enterprise and high growth venture mindsets. So that's obvious to anyone who's mm. ever invested in a startup. Anyone who's ever worked in it, you know, but how do you quantify that? And what is the, what we call the X factors? And so some of the key findings we found was that founders and their teams who have what we call a comfort with abstract, big picture, global thinking, where they're able to understand without needing to get into the concrete detail is correlated with more rounds of achieving venture capital is correlated with greater scale in terms of size of employees. It's correlated with greater scale of exit valuations um, and it's correlated with greater ambition. So the founders who have more abstract big picture global thinking actually have global companies and they were global from day one. Um, And that is an indication around the comfort with ambiguity, the comfort with the uncertainty of not knowing all the concrete details. And now the distinction here is it's not that the details don't count, they just don't count until they're relevant. And so what we're measuring here is energy and motivation. So where does your energy want to go? Does it want to go straight to the concrete facts, the execution, the details, how, what and when? Or is it comfortable to go conceptually, abstractly, and then jump from one thing to the other? So you'll see this all the time because you're talking to founders all the time, connecting the dots intuitively, not knowing the details, but knowing I'll go to the details. Interesting. What what about when it comes to any of their well-being practices and things like that? Because, I, I mean, there's just so many different things that you can do, obviously, to... To, to help your mind thrive and keep it clear and, and intentional and so forth. Was there, is there anything that comes out of the research from, yeah. from that perspective? Yeah. Similarly to this uh, bias for low detail, low detail wasn't just found as a low. Statistically and through of our research, and remember this research was longitudinal as well, it was over 15 years, um, what we found was that um, high detail is correlated with early stage venture deta- uh, early stage venture failure, and that's really fascinating oh. because because it's not just like you don't need the detail if you have too high detail. It's correlated with early stage venture failure, and when we qualitatively work with those founders to understand w- what this is about, the high focus on detail is perfectioni- being perfectionistic, being focused on trying to get all the details right 
rather than being able to do and deal with the relevant details only when they're needed. So when you look at big picture thinking versus detailed orientated biases, we're looking at how do you know what the priorities are? If you don't, if you're not comfortable with big picture thinking, you will not know what the priorities are. You won't be able to determine what to invest your energy and time in and when to do it. You'll be lost in, you know, the forest for the trees if you're in the detail. And so um, another finding that we found was that those who go on to do, you know, multiple rounds, FG sort of types of rounds of venture capital, um, have a high bias for what we call initiation. Um, again, this high initiation is a proactivity, the speed at which you turn your ideas into action and how long are you comfortable to pause or wait without action. And so this mm. is also correlated with great evaluations, et cetera. So the archetype, as you can hear, and, and anyone who works with founders knows this, is to move fast. But the distinction of moving fast is that you, you're comfortable to turn your ideas into action. You're comfortable to take the first step without knowing what the second or third step is, trusting yourself with self-efficacy that you'll be able to, with your team, to be able to figure that out, right? And that's where what we, what we if we break down this, this nominalization of hustle, that's actually mm-hmm. what hustle is from our point of view. It is comfort to take the step, grab the opportunity, seize the moment, implement, start the conversation, kick off the meeting, kick off the project without knowing what's going to happen next. Now, when you then look at founder wellbeing, If you happen to be more of a technical founder, you often will be low in some of these things because technically being higher on detail, having more reflection is often, and patience is often better technically. And so if your path has come from a technical background, some of what's required for you to be in the ambiguity, to not be concrete, to turn your ideas into action without thinking in depth and pausing and and taking and laboring over it, um, will mean that you are operating in um, something that is not intuitive to you. That causes you to drain energy every mm. single day. So if you take me, I'm I'm high in, I'm high in um, big picture thinking, low in detail. But I'm very anyone will tell you if you work on product or anything with me, I'm relentless in the detail when I need to be. Those days okay. where I'm doing product reviews, I am exhausted. And if you don't realise this about yourself, you um, are trying to do all, and particularly in a, in a high growth venture, you just do what you have to do, right? Um, yeah. And, but if you don't realise that and start to uh, uh, hire around you to fill in where you're not motivated, what we call blind spots, you will mm. rapidly under pressure burn out. And so understanding what motivates you, what drives you, what's your natural strengths cognitively, not just from a skills level. Um, so we call these soft human skills are equally as important as those technical skills. And when you understand your soft human skills strengths and you play to those, you get energy each day, um, even if you're under stress and pressure. Hello, everyone. I want to first thank you for listening to this limited series and let you know if you're looking for more insights and resources designed specifically for startups and scale-ups, we've got you covered. Head over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Now back to the show. Well, that so that, that was going to be my one of the follow-up questions was just around... I guess for you and your team, like some of the first steps must be evaluating 
I guess, getting the lay of the land of that that management team, right? To see where people sit in that spectrum. Because it's your point, it's got to be quite challenging. If everyone is over-indexing on one side of the equation, yeah. uh, somehow you have to balance it out, right? Or like you said, hire around yeah. to make sure, you know, that, that the team is is properly staffed to thrive, essentially, right? It's, it's, so so what what are your initial, like... I'm thinking the majority of the the listeners for for this series, early stage, coming out of a seed round, series A type thing. Like what for for that yeah. crew? Any advice on yeah evaluating the yeah. team themselves and 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 just trying to manage you know the current circumstances? Yeah, um, depending on your background, if you came from an enterprise background, you're used to hiring on craft and expertise and experience and domain knowledge etc and obviously for some roles that's still really important in an early stage seed stage for the most part though you're looking for people who are way more generalist who have those mindsets that can initiate quickly can deal with the ambiguity of being more global and abstract um, and are very comfortable to just you know ask for forgiveness and take those steps you want to reward that it's super important one of the other things our research found was that early stage founders are very very low like off the scale on what we refer to in our data of structure so structure means organizing planning um, versus jumping into a project and just figuring it out as you go the figuring it out as you go is um, uh, akin to experimenting, uh, validating something in a small way and then building the plan after that rather than building the plan, build it and they will come, doing all the structuring. High structure, just like high detail, was correlated with early stage venture failure. And so, yes, that's why startups feel chaotic, but it's actually the X factor. The X factor is that you can deal with that chaos and you validate what works rather than sticking to a rigid plan. And so, again, hiring for someone who has those qualities, when you hire for those soft human skills, even if the person doesn't have the perfect experience, um, they will have the mindset that has that ability, the self-efficacy to learn as it goes. And what you'll find in a seed stage and right up to, you know, post-series A and B is that the team members who help you to accelerate are the ones who constantly can reinvent themselves in a new role because they go in, there's a problem to solve, and they figure it out using that initiation, this high what we call, you know, use, which is not planning initially until you validate, validate through experimentation. And so those things super, super help. But from a, from a well-being perspective, um, this is the challenge and why founders, and, I, and I'll be, I'm curious to hear what you think with your, all your experience, is um, around, around well-being and mental fitness, et cetera, is founders are, in, in, in our data that we measure, um, founders are very motivated for um, for difference and evolution. So they want to constantly improve whatever they're working on. They want to do new things. So they have a bias for constantly doing different things. And mm. when it comes to well-being, we need, and you used the word before and I'm so delighted you did, rituals. We need habits. But habits requires a cognitive mindset of being comfortable doing the repetitive same things that they do. Yeah. Now, when it comes to building company culture, you also need rituals. 
in order yeah. to be able to build trust, trust and relationships, you need to be able to have sameness and fo- do the same things to create safety and psychological safety between you and your team. And to be able to have well-being in your life, you need to be comfortable with sameness, which is habits, doing some of the same things over and over again. So often my work has been as a coach, and our team do this as well, is facilitating a comfort and an appreciation for a small amount of what we call sameness, which builds habits, builds counting your challenges, counting your achievements. Um, it's the, the skill of looking for what's similar and being comfortable with it rather than constantly going to, how do I do it different? How do I do it for it? How do I start over? Mm-hmm. You can never build a habit if you've got that mindset only because you'll never get momentum. Even in your business, yeah. you'll never get momentum ever if you, yeah. if you have that only mindset. Totally, totally. I think it's just, it, it's interesting because it's like a founder's mind is so, so unique. It's the, unfortunately, I think, I think the same uh, aspects that, that, that make founders founders and able to perform and, and work under such crazy degrees of stress and whatnot are, are also the same reason we have that some of the highest rates of, of mental health, you know, conditions with, uh, with entrepreneurs and, and, and founders, right? So it's trying to find, like at least for me, it's trying to find the narrative that links individually with each founder to understand, okay, but like what is it that we can tackle? Is it sleep that you know you know that sleep is is foundational? We need to make sure your sleep is good, high quality, getting enough hours and so forth. And maybe it's just that, right? Or trying to find those moments in the day where you can inject a ritual or adjust or, or stack something on top of, of when the coffee's brewing. Okay, I want to set an intention for the day or check in with myself so it doesn't turn into this burnout situation, right? Because as you know, I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. It's, 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 it stacks mm-hmm. and compounds, right? So at least what I've seen on, on my side is, is just really trying to find the right narrative. And part of the reason why I've, I've been running this podcast for so many years, because uh, you get to interview so many different people in different industries that then all of a sudden there's an opening, right? That like, oh, you, you'll probably resonate with the Olympian or the chef or the billionaire entrepreneur, like whatever it is. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I can do that too. Like I can see why they're doing that because they're competitive in that way, Right. Um, let me try that out. And then all of a sudden you start to feel the benefits and at least start working there. Um, at least that, that, that's my perspective. Cause I mean, if we can have the minds thriving, like we all win, right? We all get to witness and be part of like these amazing innovations and so forth. And there's just so much, uh, there's so much opportunity out there. One of the ways that I often help to create that leverage is, if a founder has awareness of something, they've got a natural bias to want to fix it. But because they're moving so fast and got so much complexity and cognitive load that they're handling every single day, um, it's very hard in some contexts to prioritise themselves and to have that self-awareness mm-hmm. about themselves. And so I'll always use the leverage of data. So that's kind of why we made our platform um, Fingerprint sure. for Success was so that people could use the, you know, the, the data to be able to benchmark themselves and to find what those blind spots are so that they have that self-awareness. So that's in the, you know, in the mental, emotional, cognitive leadership space. Then when we go into the tools of data that can help you, your physical well-being and also your mental, emotional well-being, there's some, you know, founders love, they're early adopters, they love tech and, you know, things like yeah. an aura ring, 
Um, if you've never got across it, I'm sure you'll, you'll know what it is, but for, for listeners yeah. who haven't got across it, it's just such a great way, very simply, very, mostly very accurately to be able to track some of the most vital things around your heart rate, um, around your sleep, around your oxygenation, how deep your sleep is, what, et cetera, et cetera, and to actually build in. And it helps you. It really genuinely helps you to build in that, that to build that in. Um, and when you've got that data, it's a, a natural reoccurring feedback loop that a human has. And when you got, when you get self-awareness is the really, you cannot underrate self-awareness. Now, there are further steps beyond self-awareness, but if you if you don't know something's broken or not working well or could be better optimised, um, and I cannot underscore the power of sleep. Uh, there's, yeah. there's so much research and science on it, so I'm not going to go into that, but you just need to experience it. If you get into just two weeks' worth of sleep routine, even before the end of the two weeks, you will discover how sharp you are, how you solve problems um, in a much different way and how everything just reorganises itself and yeah. you become extraordinary. Because I've been, you know, as we heard from my early career, working with people who are dedicated to realising what they're capable of, whether it be a swimmer or um, a race car driver or a politician or, you know, founders or et cetera, there's, there's a similar trait amongst every single one of them and it is that they understand that there will be sacrifice and then they know that they can only do that sacrifice for periods of time. So if you look mm-hmm. at an elite athlete of any kind, they have an off-season and an on-season and the on-season is they have to eat in a very specific way to be able to physically perform at the levels that they do, but it's also cognitively and mentally. Um, and then they do those performances and then they have, you know, in between those, those games or whatever it is that they're doing, they, they're doing extraordinary things to balance it back out and to get back into harmony inside of themselves. And this yeah. is where founders fail. Uh, founders don't give themselves um, the ice baths, the massage. Yeah, the recovery, of, you know, that's missing. <laughs> yeah. They don't give themselves that whatsoever. So one of the things that I think is crucial is nutrition. I cannot underscore how important nutrition is. People think, ah, it's about weight, it's about et cetera. Uh, no, that's no. one of the byproducts is... <laughs> It's about your mental well-being at the fourth. You are cognitively sharp when you are eating regularly and you are managing your uh, intake of fluids and food and you eat well, you can deal with extraordinary stress without it impacting and beating you up. Um, It's an amazing thing. If you are lacking in calories, lacking in the right macronutrients and you are not taking care of yourself, it really impacts your ability to synthesize and deal with stress and particularly this macroeconomic stress. So how do you start any of these conversations with, let's say, a founder or whoever you're working with that doesn't believe in sleep, let's just say? Or, I mean, that one's, that one's becoming harder and harder because I think the days of like priding ourselves of sleeping four hours are, are starting to be, uh, you know, a little bit more limited. But Regardless, whether it's sleep or nutrition, again, on autopilot, doing everything possible to make this business work, have a team, you know, that they're concerned about and, and whatnot. Like, how do you, what, what, what are some of your approaches to get through, I guess, at least even start the dialogue, say, hey, we're going to work on sleep yeah. this month or whatever. Yeah. 
again, it will always come back to until we get the self-awareness of the impact of the lack of sleep and that they can see the correlation, we won't get anywhere ever because they'll just go, nah, I'm superhuman, I've got to be, um, you know, look at this XY person who's writing in the media about I sleep four or five hours and I get up at 3 a.m. and this crazy stuff, um, which is just really not. So any of those people who's writing that, it is not sustainable unless you're, you're a rare yeah. person where it's just uniquely you. That's more uniquely a unicorn thing, not a normal thing. Um, and so what I'll do whenever we're working with a founder is, is we'll do feedback interviews. And I'm not talking about filling out a form. I will go and speak to the founder's partner or spouse. I will go okay. and speak to their co-founder. I will speak to a mentor on their board who's ruthlessly honest. I will speak to their team and I will gather data, um, qualitative data, about them around their performance, around all sorts of different things. And then I'll synthesize all of that data back, the qualitative feedback, and I will share it with them without telling, me who, telling them who said it. I'll look for the aggregate that came through across it of the themes and I will tell them their strengths of where they're at today dealing with this, you know, current whatever it is, mm. and these are their opportunities. And um, invariably they will see the net consequence immediately of the different habits that they have. Um, and, you know, one oh, will yeah. be, you know, the, the feedback will be they work too hard, they always look like they're stressed, um, they set a bad example for the company. They, um, when they, you can tell when they haven't slept because they, they don't make good decisions. Um, I'm really worried about, usually these people say, I'm really worried about them. Um, I don't know how they're going to scale. And so as soon as this feedback comes through, they're like, I had no idea that no, everyone else could see it. They thought it was just, you know, yeah. that, do you know what I mean? They don't know. Now, as soon as they get that feedback, if they, if they're a, a humble founder who really does want to learn, which is most of them, um, that this is the starting point. This is the starting point. Everyone's, then they're now ready. And then when we use the data, we go, okay, let's go and see what kind of sleep you're getting. Let's go and buy it. They'll order the Aura Ring or they'll order some other heart rate tracking um, or sleep tracking device, whichever one they think is great. Aura Ring is just great because it doesn't interrupt your sleep. It's low on EMF. It's just a really cool, very thoughtful product. Um, yeah. And and then they will start to track that data and then we use our data and our platform, Fingerprint for Success, to do that benchmarking. And so now we've got external feedback, we've got their own self-feedback that they give in the platform to us plus this, this physiological data just as a starting point. And then, we, and then the, everyone wants to track over time improvements in those, right? They then mm -hmm. become the KPIs, you know, more deep sleep. It's fine. Have shorter sleep, but if you're getting deep sleep, um, you're going to do an REM sleep. You're going to do okay, even if you've had shorter sleep, right? So, um, yeah. but you can't do that. You can't do, you can't get that deep sleep unless you've eaten well and hydrated and done exercise. You know what I mean? So I just mm -hmm. love that as an indicator because deep sleep and REM is going to tell me you're recovering and your heart rate's coming down at night and you are recovering. You are recovering from that stress. I'm okay with you having the stress if you know how to recover. And one of my yeah. favorite recoveries, my, one of my favorite ones is floats, sending people off to have floats, um, oh, the magnesium float. float. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Such a fast track. Just that magnesium and, and getting that into your life is such a fast track for regular recovery. Talk to me a little bit more about that because... I so I'm just outside of Toronto, Canada. We have salt float tanks. I've never heard of these magnesium versions. 
They're probably potentially the same. So there's different okay. forms of magnesium. And so there's, you know, different forms of magnesium and depending upon um, which one you choose, some is more absorbed than others. Um, so some gotcha. people will try and have them in their bath, but the amount, the volume is just not enough to be able to get the impact and the, the effects of it um, when you actually float in it uh, for up to an hour and, and you absorb it. And it really calms the nervous system and you, you can look at your, your objective data from, you know, what you're using for your data about your body um, and you can see the immediate immediate impacts. And then you start to feel it and you realise that cognitively or, and emotionally your resilience is so much better. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the thing I like, I've, I've only done a uh, float tank a couple times, but I mean, you're in it, you're in there. There's no, there's no leaving. I mean, you could, I guess, but for the most part, you're in the float tank for an hour. You have no idea how much time has passed. It's pitch black in there. I mean, it's like a forced pause, you know, it's a forced long nap potentially. And I mean, it's, so if you're doing that, it's absolutely impossible not to come out of that, not feeling relaxed at the very minimum. And then to your point, if you're, if you're doing it more frequently and whatnot, and you're tracking, um, you start to see the benefits, right? It's amazing. Yeah. I I always talk about it like a seesaw. It's a super, super simple metaphor, but if you think about a seesaw, um, I, don't, I don't know what they call them in Canada, but a seesaw, yeah, you know, in the thing. park that kids that, get, yeah. that the kids go on, um, and you know, as the stress is stacking up, you know, the, your well being is going to go down, and what and what people don't really think of is the more stress you have, the more you need to be stacking in the tools for recovery, and um, yeah. and when you really think about yourself as an athlete. Um, you, you'd be obvious to you, gosh, you went and just did that, you know, whatever it was, tennis on the field uh, or race card, whatever it is, um, it would be super obvious to you to go, yeah, of course you're going to go and have the whatever it is for the recovery. Um, and if you don't think about yourself as a high performer like that as a founder, you're only going to get a certain, you're only going to get to a certain point. You won't have the fit fitness on in a holistic way to go to the next level. And everyone who does go to the level, which is the, always the goals for the founders, is, you know, unicorn or purpose and impact through their product in the world. Um, they figure out how to, to build into their lives that in whatever the form is. Um, and it might be with family or it might be, a, an additional hobby that really um, does give you recovery. And from the outside, you won't see it because there's this front that all founders for some reason have. It's not for some reason. We know why they have it. But um, it's, it's, it's just invisible to you. So don't think you don't need that. You need that and, and you need, to, you need it for your, for your partner. If you, if you do have children, they need it from you. They're on this journey with you. They, I always say to everyone, they're actually your biggest investor. You're worried about your Series A and B foundational biggest ticket investor who invested in you. It's actually them and they're looking mm -hmm. for the best return on investment and they're the ones who get often the lowest. Um, and so you got to do it not just for yourself and your team because you're so focused on your team and you've got so much responsibility and you are focused on your investors and the commitments you've made. But all at the end of the day, it's hopefully going to be your partner who's actually on the long journey with you. And um, and if you don't preserve you, they don't get anything. And um, they deserve a lot more. So true. Are there areas, Michelle, where you wish you could help more right now? 
Ah, that's, that's the most, I'm, I'm going to tear up. That is one of the most beautiful questions. So I think that's for all of us right now is how can we do more? How can we um, help more people? And for us, that's why we built our platform is that it's really quite amazing being able to help, you know, people who are already at certain levels of success. But when we think about human development and we think about these soft human skills and we think about where we're up to in humanity with the planet and we think about the really big challenges that we have, not just immediately, they seem big, right, but the, the, the near future ones around our planet is we have to think and behave and do things in different ways. We don't yet have the consciousness to solve those problems. Um, mm-hmm. It's the generations that are coming through. It's our Gen Zs, it's some of the millennials, our, our Gen Alpha, um, who we need to radically improve what's happening on the planet or we won't all be here. And we need to harness what we don't know. And that's what personalized human development does. It says you have the answers collectively. We have the answers if we actually ask ourselves and we create a space where new thinking, new ideas can be explored and developed and collaborated upon. And so, um, yeah, that's that's the most important thing. Everybody needs to have that kind of space to be able to explore those things. So that's what drives me every day. That's why we created Fingerprint for Success and our AI coach, Marley, was so that every single person could have access to coaching and human development. Um, and so I feel every single day that I get out of bed, that's what I'm trying to do every mm-hmm. single day. And I feel like we're so far from where we will be um, as, a, as, a, as humanity, creating that kind of conversation, creating those spaces. Um, and if we can change our workplaces and make workplaces where it's normal for people to be able to explore what they believe, what they contribute, um, and to explore their thinking and to evolve their, their themselves, we are going to change. It's going to happen and it can happen rapidly. But if we have these hierarchical old school traditional organisations where people are scared of their boss and they can't be themselves and they can't come to work and they have to hide a whole part of themselves and they're not accepted because they're different, we will never, ever create the kinds of spaces and dialogues where we harness the incredible capability that are in people. And I've had that rare, unique experience of sitting day after day after day after day as a coach and discovering the extraordinary solutions that exist in people that are not out in the world because they've never had a space to explore them. Well, Michelle, I mean, I for one am very grateful that you are this bright light in this world. You and your team are doing this work because, I mean, it's it seems quite clear to me and I can feel it in in everything that you've said that, I mean, you, you really are out there unlocking a lot of those opportunities and, you know, releasing a lot of pressure for, I think, just humans in general working in these, in these pressurized situations and allowing people to thrive and, and allowing those ideas to surface and, and, and continue to grow. So for that, I mean, A, thank you for making the time to be on the show, but thank you for, for you showing up, you know, ever since you started working in those five-star hotels and coming full circle and (laughs) people around the world. So thank you. Thank you, Mark. And, and thank you for creating such a thoughtful space for diverse thinking and ideas and for the incredible Uh, spaces that you create for that to be heard it's super super special I appreciate that 
Well, thank you for sticking around for the entire episode. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And again, for more startup and scale up resources, swing over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Have a stunning day.